What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Roundtable Sports Podcast. My name is Taylor McLean, and today we're going to take a look at the New York Giants' 27-17 victory over the Philadelphia Eagles. I have to admit, this wasn't one of the games I was expecting to watch the film on and go over, but, you know, I just had to know who I thought was going to win the NFC East because, man, it is a completely crazy situation. All the teams are down, and there's going to be a team with a really bad record make the playoffs from the East and host a home playoff game. So I wanted to see how New York and Philadelphia looked at this point. You know, I'd already watched the Washington football team this week, and with Alex Smith in there, they looked pretty competent. So I wanted to see what the competency level of the Eagles and the Giants was. I wanted to see what Carson Wentz looked like, what Daniel Jones looked like. Can I count on Wayne Gallman? There were a lot of questions I had to answer. So let's start with answering the questions on the New York Giants side. Let's start with Daniel Jones. 21 for 28, 241 yards, no touchdowns, but no INTs and no fumbles. That's the big thing with Daniel is keeping the ball in his possession. The big thing I liked about Daniel today was nine for 64 and one touchdown. Really should have been more, had a holding penalty go against him. So it could have been a bigger day on the ground, and I couldn't have been more proud of Daniel. Now, Let's be honest with ourselves. He doesn't have a whole lot of shiftiness. He's not going to juke somebody. Now, he might juke somebody, but he's not going to have the same amount of agility and whatnot as Kyler Murray. That much we can be sure of. I mean, who has as much agility as Kyler Murray out there? Answer, not many. But what Daniel Jones does have is straight line speed and he put it on display today. You know, he's a big guy too. So when he's able to move the way he's able to move, that's certainly a big boon for fantasy owners when he's able to do that. And it seems like he's been playing better lately. I do love that he's been putting the ball on the ground more. And I think that that's something that if he can sustain that will make him a more viable fantasy option as the weeks go on. Certainly, he struggled early on, and you know, while I'm not counting on him as a quarterback one in many scenarios, at the same time, I'm encouraged for Giants fans that he's been making this development, and I think he and the rest of the league have seen what Kyler Murray has been doing, and I think that confidence that quarterbacks can run and affect so much of the game has really spilled over into a couple of different quarterbacks. And one of them has been Daniel Jones up until this point. And when he's got so much straight line speed and when he is such a big guy, I don't worry about him running the ball as much as I do some of those other quarterbacks. And uh, you wouldn't think it, you wouldn't know it just to look at him, but I'm telling you, he's one of the fastest quarterbacks straight line speed wise in the NFL. So it's not as surprising to me that he's able to do the things he's able to do with his legs. And when you're able to run the ball, you know, like five to eight times with your quarterback, all the eyes shift towards that quarterback because he's got the ball. Is he going to run? Is he going to throw? That's big for the rest of the offense. The rest of the offense thrives off that, and teams are starting to realize it, and I freaking love it for fantasy purposes because it's a beautiful thing when your quarterback – you know, gets those six points. We want 60 rushing yards, 50 to 60 rushing yards a game is what we want them to try and average, you know, and when they're able to run the ball like that, 
teams put the ball in their hands and let them make choices. And a lot of the times those choices are to run the ball in rushing touchdowns are always six points passing touchdowns typically are four, depending on your league. And it's just a big, big deal for fantasy quarterbacks to have that. You know, if Jared Goff had that same floor, I might be a little bit more interested in him, but he doesn't have even close to the speed that Daniel Jones has. And when I'm seeing Daniel Jones make better decisions with the ball, it's very encouraging. Giants, Giants fans should be very encouraged how he's kind of progressed to this point. And he's still not a world beater. The line has not been good. And, of course, they fired their offensive line coach, former Cowboy Mark Colombo. And, uh, you know, that's not surprising. You know, I, it was kind of a shock to me that they brought Jason Garrett in in the first place. But you know what? The offense didn't look that stagnant. They looked like they had more creativity than the Eagles out there, which is really shocking. I wasn't expecting to feel that way after a game like this, but especially a game with the Eagles. But, man, it was, it was a better situation for the Giants than it has been. And, uh, I'm like I said, I'm very encouraged by Daniel. If you have him as a quarterback, two in a two-quarterback league, I might be interested in that. I don't think he's going to offer enough upside down the stretch to really get me where I want to go as far as the fantasy playoffs and the like. Because, I mean – it's a bye week this week, Cincinnati, Seattle. Okay, I'm not scared of that, but then you get the playoffs. Arizona has been better than expected. Cleveland and Baltimore. Those are not good matchups for your quarterback. So I, I don't want to see Daniel having to be the starter, but I'm telling you that I'm seeing progression in his game, and it wouldn't surprise me to see him play better than expected down the stretch. It's just I don't know that this team has enough to protect him all the time when they're playing a better defense, when they've got better pass rush against him. But they're going to have to respect his ability to run, and uh, I want to see him create more time in the pocket. And I think that's someplace he needs to progress is his pocket awareness and creating more time in the pocket. Maybe just getting a little bigger might be nice. I don't know what it is that I can't put my finger on, but I just need – a little bit more from Daniel, but I think he can develop that. And I think that'll come with more time. So shockingly surprised to be as high on Daniel Jones as I just felt like I was. It was also interesting to see the Wayne Gallman, Alfred Morris touch split. You know, Wayne clearly out touched him and clearly had fresher legs. He runs the ball hard. He doesn't have great vision necessarily and doesn't have a lot of side to side shift like, like I'd like but he's got enough and he's got enough juice to be useful for fantasy owners. You know, if they're going to continue to give him the lion's share of the touches and then also give him the lion's share of the money touches and be so insistent on running the ball at the goal line, that's a situation for success when you're talking about Wayne Gallman without Devonte Freeman and Devonte Freeman was put on IR. Of course, we don't have a Saquon Barkley either. That's a tragic scenario. And it would have been interesting to see what Saquon could have done with this role. But for now, we're talking about Wayne Gallman. And uh, like I said, he ran with it this week, was able to get the TDs. They gave him all the goal line touches, and they were really intent on putting it in that way. So that kind of took away from Daniel's day a little bit when he wasn't able to pass. But honestly, they don't have a lot of good passing red zone options anyway. So it's not a great, you know, a lot of their receivers are smaller, Shepard, Golden Tate, Slayton has some size, but still it's just not a great scenario as far as goal line weapons go. So that's a good scenario for Gallman. Now they're not always going to have this many touches for him. 
they got up on Philadelphia quite early in this game. They had two really nice drives early in the game that got them up and allowed them to run the ball more. So we might not always see 18 carries. It's certainly mostly a volume play when we're talking about Gallman. So he needs to continue to get the line share. He needs to continue to get the money touches at the goal line because he's not as well insulated in the passing game. There's not a lot of check downs. There's not a lot for him there. So if the game script goes against him, he might have a little bit more fluctuation than some of the other backs that are catching more balls. So it probably makes me want to have him as a fl- more of a flex for days like this. But at the same time, it's not a super great schedule. So I'm not just running after him to go get him. But at the same time, if he's still out there, he does look like he's going to be the running back down the stretch. I don't see that they're going to bring Devontae Freeman back at least for three weeks. And even then, it'd be, I'd be interested to see how they split the carries at that point. So if you picked him up, You have to flex him. I'm okay with that. You certainly want to watch the matchups. Like I said, it's not great down the stretch for the Giants, so we'll want to be wary of that as well. But he's got more of a pulse than a lot of the fill-in running backs that you might have. You know, like the Seattle running backs that they've had recently, he's got more of a pulse than they do, absolutely. So I'd be more excited about that than I would them, especially with Chris Carson possibly coming back. As far as the receiving options go for Daniel, like I said, this was a – pretty good day for the offense and part of that was that he was hitting receivers down the field now it did kind of make me a little wary that some of those were balls they had to come back to and had the Eagles had a little bit bigger better cornerbacks that might have been an issue but the receivers were making plays for Daniel Darius Slayton Sterling Shepard were the main targets in this game Golden Tate was kind of an afterthought and wasn't really able to hook up much you know he had the big blow up with the team as well. So certainly that's a big part of it. And I'm guessing he's probably not long for that team necessarily, but he is probably their third option. Evan Ingram had been getting a better target share, but didn't really do a whole lot today. The offense overall is kind of hard to trust, but with Daniel playing better with him holding on to the ball, it does make it a little bit more tenable for me. I do like the talent of the receivers. It just uh, doesn't seem like any one of them is a number one wide receiver. They'd all look great in a supporting role. If he just had somebody for Daniel that was a little bit more dominant, somebody over the top of all these options, it would really look like a solid receiving core. And I think that's part of what Saquon would have done is Saquon would have been that over the top, you know, part of the offense. And then everybody else would have been more in a supporting role. And it would have looked a lot different, I think. But uh, still, I think the offensive line struggles, we're going to make this a lower upside situation no matter what. And it's not like the Giants haven't tried to put resources into it. It's just they haven't drafted well up until this point. And it's gotten better. It has gotten better. Everybody panned the Daniel Jones pick. I liked what I saw him from me from him in year one and while he certainly struggled this year I like that you know they drafted Andrew Thomas so we've got to see more from the draft picks and more of development but you also have to have health and you also can't have your best weapon go out like that and that is part of the issue of drink sinking so much draft capital into someone like Saquon Barkley into running backs is they do get hurt so you kind of need to have a stable going and you come I mean, sometimes I feel like maybe it's better to get a back every one or two years from the second or third round or really even later. So I'm probably going to have a hard time trusting the Giants wide receivers a bit. But at the same time, I think if I was going to go for any of them, it would be Darius Slayton. Although he was hurt a little bit in this game and he had to go out and came back, 
um, probably had a brace on his shoulder when he came back out. I would still have a tough time trusting anyone outside of him probably in a, and really I'm hoping that I'm not having to start him as my second wide receiver, but he is the one that gets the chunk plays. He is the one that's able to get open downfield. It feels like most of the time. And it seems like Daniel trusts him in those spots. So that's who I would be looking at. If I was looking at any of them, I'm just hoping that my wide receiver situation has gone a little bit better and they're on my bench and I you know, have them as a backup. That'd be even better. Or maybe, you know, even if it's a wide receiver three, I could see that too. But I'm still a little wary just because this is one of the more up and down situations. It's as encouraged as, as I am with Daniel. All right, let's switch over to the Philadelphia Eagles. A big part of why I wanted to watch this game was to see how Miles Sanders came out. And Miles looked fast. He looked strong. You know, was just a victim of two of the touches that he didn't get go for touchdowns. And it really didn't seem like it was by design for any reason. It just really was a well-blocked play on the Byron, on the Boston Scott touchdown. And he had really driven them all the way down there, Miles Sanders had. So they gave the carry to Corey Clement, and he just made a really nice play. Although he was vultured, it didn't feel like it was anything malignant or anything that I need to worry about as far as Miles Sanders goes. So I definitely wanted to see how he looked so I could see if he is a player that could be ridden down the stretch. It's not a great schedule as far as the Eagles go, but I've seen worse. Absolutely. You know, next week is Cleveland, Seattle, Green Bay. Not great, but not anything to be scared of either. Both Green Bay and Seattle have given up enough recently where I'm not as scared. And Cleveland it has been a little disjointed, but it has a good defense. But what we're really worried about is what are they looking at for the fantasy playoffs for most teams? 14, 15, 16, we're talking New Orleans, Arizona, Dallas. You know, New Orleans has been up and down, and they'll probably still have Jameis Winston in at that point. Maybe, maybe not. That's kind of where they're thinking about bringing Drew Brees back. You know, when you're able to end it with Dallas, that's certainly something that I'm trying to get in on. You know, Dallas has been a dumpster fire as far as their team goes. Like I said, it's not great. Arizona has been better. New Orleans has been up and down, but it still has a good defense. So it's not the best playoff schedule I've ever seen. But if you drafted Miles where you drafted him, you're probably locked in at this point. If you can sell high, if you still have the trade deadline, maybe I go for that. But really, he looks healthy. And if you and if he was able to get this one of those two touches or either of them or all of them or you know, was able to catch a couple of more balls today while he was targeted five times, he's only able to catch two of them. One of them was probably his fault, but Carson hit him in the feet twice as well. So it just could have been a bigger overall day. Now, the other thing that the offense struggled with and the thing that kind of has been holding Miles Sanders back because he was getting plenty of holes and he was making – plenty of moves. It just looked like he was him during this game. So I'm excited by that. And like I said, I'm a little trepidatious about the schedule, but at the same time, it's not miles. I just feel like the overall, the offense hasn't been as creative and they've had trouble sustaining drives. I've been trying to figure out who I put that on exactly. And, you know, part of it is the offensive line lost pieces right up front. So, you know, when you're dealing with that, that's always going to make things a little worse as far as the protection and the blocking goes. And today, the Giants did a good job of keeping Carson Wentz in the pocket, playing tight defense on his receivers. And 
I think it's just a confluence of things in Philadelphia. While they're able to run the ball, they're not able to establish drives. While Carson Wentz has the ability to drive the ball down the field with his passes, he's not the best decision maker. And his receivers aren't getting a whole ton of separation for him. So with all of those things, when you throw the offensive line in there, just all of those things are working against the Eagles and Carson Wentz. Throw in about four or five bad snaps. And, you know, it just was a really weird, really disjointed scenario for the Eagles. The other thing was they started behind the sticks nearly every time. They were, you know, in there into the field. And when they weren't able to string together drives up front, it allowed the Giants to get up and – you know, I just don't know if the Eagles are ever going to pull it out and be the best team in the NFC East because I think they have the most talent left of these teams. You know, it's been a war of attrition between all of them. Obviously, the Cowboys lost Dak, and that was it. But I just don't know if they're going to be able to string it together when you're not able to string it together against the Giants. Now, the Giants played great on defense. I don't want to take anything away from them. They definitely won this game for their team because they were getting after Carson and they didn't allow him to extend plays with his legs. That was one of the other big things that was missing is it was just, everything was kind of bang, bang. Carson had to make right on time, perfect throws and they weren't always there. He wasn't giving Miles Sanders a chance to run with the ball. It was just a mess. So I'm not super hopeful for the rest of the Eagles as far as pulling that out. You probably have Carson Wentz. You probably drafted him as a back-end quarterback one, and you've probably upgraded since then, and that's a good thing. I don't know that I'm going to trust him with that schedule either. And with just the way the offense has been out of sorts, I can see why Eagles fans are upset. Now, they've got to put everything into perspective, though. The injuries, the way they pressed on the wide receivers for so many years that they're paying for it now with Jeffrey just now getting in the game – None of the receivers really offer a whole lot as far as the separation goes. And it kind of feels like people know what the Eagles are going to do. The Giants seem to be in perfect position nearly all day. So I don't know what it exactly is, but man, it feels like people have caught up to Peterson a bit. And maybe that Frank Wright was actually the genius in that scenario when you're talking about the offense but it's just not flowing together correctly. And I'm calling for a firing of an OC at this point because it just doesn't really feel like they've got it going on. And it feels very predictable. feels like the other team knows what's what. And when the offensive line isn't going to dominate and when you don't have dominant receiving threats anymore, it's not a good recipe for success in the NFL. Now, as far as the receiving threats go, obviously Fulgham was the big disappointer. And he was around. It it just uh, didn't work out today. They weren't able to hit long passes. They weren't really able to work it down the field. There was tight coverage all around. James Bradbury, I think I always thought that was a good signing. He doesn't seem to get his due around the league. You know, not having Zach Ertz is also hurt, even though he wasn't playing good to begin with. So having him there probably wouldn't help. What you really need is Zach Ertz of old to really – bring this offense together. They've really been missing that. Dallas Goddard's just now getting back in there. Uh, Richard Rodgers actually looks pretty good, as it turned out. You know, I'm kind of wondering, should I be looking at him if I'm desperate at tight end after the way he was looking and after the way Carson needed him? 
So it doesn't leave me hopeful as far as starting these options at this point. Probably going to have to see more from the offense and a little bit more continuity before I am. You know, like I said, Fulgerman really been crushing it for some time there. But, you know, with the way the offense was flowing and with Alshon back out there and with everything that was going on, you know, they've got Jalen Rager back and you got Dallas Goddard back. It's just a little bit more crowded now than it was when Fulgham was going off. So that may be an issue when everything's not really clicking for them. Well, that's what I've got for this game, guys. Like, listen, subscribe. And if you've gotten to this point, download the podcast. Listening doesn't count, apparently. You need to download for your boy. Let me know that you're here and that you're hearing the games and that uh, this is working for you. And of course, have a great rest of your day.